Welcome back. Thank you once again for hanging out with us. This is the IT and the D Show. I'm your host, Bob Waltonspiel, hanging out with co-host producer extraordinaire Randy Walker. Guest this week, see how many times I can say this, Tom Lawrence with Lawrence System slash CNWR. I'll get it right one of these days. <laughs> uh, I just learned about it five minutes ago. But we'll, uh, we got lots to talk about. Tom is a, a phenomenal YouTuber, uh, has a fantastic channel, uh, also is a... Uh, Cybersecurity enthusiast and all around uh, great guy, and we'll have these are always great talks. Tom's a regular, been a regular guest in the past. You can find us online, it in the d.com. Do us a favor, give us a like on the socials, subscribe everywhere. Find podcasts are sold. Don't forget, go to meetup.com/slash it in the d. Next three events are going to be at uh, Nancy Whiskey down in Corktown, um, including tonight. June twenty July twentieth, indeed. I did have a fantastic dinner at Alpino, Alpino. I don't know how it's Alpino. pronounced. Um, absolutely one of the best meals I've had in this town. Uh, highly recommended. Uh, so right good. down the street from uh, Nancy Whiskey. So yeah, um, I did not. You know, here's the thing, man. When like it's kind of like being raised by Italian grandparents and then going to eat Italian. Like it's not like grandma's. And the Wiener Schnitzel and the Spätzle was just like grandma's. So I was a I was a fat, happy German kid uh, Friday night. Tom, how are they treating you, man? You doing okay? I'm doing great, man. It's uh, it been a minute since I've been on, I think. So it's uh, it's always good good to be back. <laughs> it has been a minute. See, that's the beauty of your show versus ours. Your show is just you. And you don't yeah, get, you don't I'm on my last, show all the time. You don't get last-minute cancellations all the time like we've been getting. Yeah, well, even if, even if I do, because sometimes I have guests on, and they, uh, I've got one that's ghosted me twice, and I don't know why, and I'm, I know the aggravation because I was just thinking, boy, I'm, I'm like Bob now, <laughs> I just got ghosted by someone a couple times. Seriously, but, uh, it was a, it's a lot. Yeah, you get aggravated. Like I'm sitting here waiting. How long do I wait? How long do I give you before I just get really angry? Because they didn't tell me they weren't showing up. <laughs> so I'm just checking out your. By the way, um, I. Your YouTube channel is still stinking growing. I was, uh, we, I think we were cheering you when it hit like 30,000. Then we were cheering you when it hit 50,000. And uh, the big deal was when you hit 250, that's kind of when you get the plaque. Yep. You're at 290. Yeah, that's when he was, what's that's when he was last on the show here was when he hit 250. And now you're at 294. 294. And you have and- uh, two videos that hit a million views. Yeah. It's funny because um, I thought I'd be further because you watch the acceleration and tapering off a little bit because I kind of slowed down with what I was posting. But I'm still shocked that there's that many people because it's not just the subscribers. There's 54 million views on the channel. And it's like that many people want to listen to me babble about cybersecurity and uh, firewalls and storage servers and virtualization. Okay. (laughs) Well, I, I always thought you found a niche, right? A lot of people standardized on your basic products that everyone used all the time. The Arubas, the, you know, the Fortinets, the, the you know, the Microsoft licenses. There's, you know, those companies put out billions of videos, but you kind of found a niche, I think, with the open source products that don't have those gigantic budgets that don't, you know, that don't really can ship out free products to influencers. I, I refuse to call you that. Um, but at the end of the day that you're kind of that, that, you know, the, the open, the toy, open the, uh, you're opening the toy boxes, but for, uh, but for geek stuff. 
Yeah, and it's been really interesting. So like the storage servers especially, because I had a great conversation, um, but it's kind of on hold all of a sudden. You'll understand the context in a second. The uh, We've sold a lot of storage to movie studios, which – their, I talked to them. Their latest project is a little on hold with the writer's strike, they said. Just just a little. Just a little. Um, they're trying to figure out how that play is going to look because they just built two new studios. Um, cause they, they finished them, and now the project part where we install the infrastructure is supposed to kick off. And they're kind of like, um, we want to put a pause on this. And I'm like, I don't blame you. I'm not going to argue with you. So we understand why we're pausing on some of it. But that, that niche of building stuff that, hey, Dell EMC, they sell a solid storage server, NetApp. You got all the companies that sell that stuff. But um, Hollywood produces a movie, movie companies in general, they produce uh, data at a rate that's pretty freaking incredible the amount of storage you need to store on these fancy cameras the cameras keep leveling up and each level up when you go from like your 1080 to your 4k to your 8k cameras is not just like a little incremental it's a substantial really substantially larger file each time and uh, so the amount of storage you need and trying to fit that and squish that into the right budgets has been challenging and that's kind of one of our niches we fell into with some of the open source software um and it's really i didn't know this and uh until we started working with them uh 45 drives is one of the companies we work with the entirety of trailer park boys is all built and stored on 45 drive servers really <laughs> yeah i thought that was just great they have a whole um if you look at 45 Drives Trailer Park Boys, there's an entire case study about them. And they have every joke in there, which completely makes sense. Um, it's not rocket appliance and all. They have all the little uh, stuff that's in their code. And I thought that was funny. They had comments on that. I kind of connected all the dots and like, oh, that's why. Because they built the original uh, servers for that. Um, so a couple of the movie studios have as much as 12, 13 petabytes of storage. It's just, it's a lot of data these guys have to hold on to. Well, and then, yeah, hot storage in the cloud is super expensive. Cold storage is super cheap. So it's, yep. where do you find that medium? Yeah, so I, I don't I don't blame them for going going that route. So now here's the thing that you hit the nail on the head of, and there was a shift in, see, me being a lifetime IT sales person, um, you know, we, we started off cold calling, and we started off cold emailing, and we started off, and then, you know, social media came out, and then, we you know, we were doing different things. But, like, you hit the nail on the head because sales has completely evolved and changed. And I'd say about seven, eight or eight, maybe a little bit longer, but it was like, educate your customers, educate your customers, educate your customers that, you know, it's all about the relationships, but you know, educate first because they're, you know, customers are smart and you kind of yeah. hit that nail on the head where you're like, let them do their homework because they're going to anyway. It doesn't really matter if I go cold calling because they're going to, you know, they're going to want, need a little validation. So I'm going to, do all the education up front and lo and behold, you didn't, you know, you, you started picking up the phone after a while. Talk to me about that journey. Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, it, it's, I'm happy to have smart people that I hang out with that tell me how to do things better. <laughs> and so I'm dumping all this data out there and creating these tutorials and things like that. And slowly it just starts trickling in where people start calling me. And of course there's like smart people who know how sales work. Hey, Tom, what's your call to action on your YouTube videos? I'm like, I don't know. I just make videos. Like you could, probably suggest that someone could hire you you know you put a little hire us like like a little lower thirds and i'm like i could probably do that and uh that exploded like i i was already getting the calls by, by actually suggesting that they could hire us i serendipitously kind of fell into some of this so i slowly just kind of worked it and started learning it uh 2017 is when i built the studio and i said okay this is when i'm gonna get serious about doing it 2018 is when i put a call to action of you can actually hire me for this. I'm a business, not just some random person on YouTube uh, making content, which a lot of people just assumed I was, and they would put in the comments, oh, this is great. Can I 
hire you? I'm like, well, I have a website and I just reply with my website, but um, maturing it into kind of a workflow, which I I didn't shorten the videos any, like I'm still giving, there's always that people say, well, did you cut it up where you don't give all of the content? I'm like, no, it's a start to finish, top to bottom tutorial. There's nothing left out. You don't, if, if follow you can me follow for part tutorial, two. Yeah. Hire me for the rest of the details. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I made sure all that was in there and it kind of just matured into the process that it is now um, where I still do tutorials. We got just a, a quick blurb that says hire us. I don't spend all day, you know, reading some uh, just four minutes of ads of why you should hire me and why I'm awesome. It's like, hey, if you like what you've seen here reach out to me. And I say it usually towards the end of the video anyways, at the end, you know, like subscribe, love me on the socials, hire us if you want to know more, connect with me on my forums. And uh, I just kind of worked its way into that. And so some of the, we kind of joked and mentioned a merger at the beginning, but I had to do a lot of data analytics and lookbacks because people want, before the merge companies, they want this little thing called due diligence, you know, lawyers and all those fun things. Like, right. Yeah. I got to justify all the money I'm giving you. Uh, so I had to put together all the stats for just how many leads we bring in. And then of course, it's not just the leads. Let's talk about the action to the conversions, the actual people who put money in our hands uh, from this. And in the last just 300 day or oh, 360 days i think i look back um it was over 600 bookings that we booked from youtube um and that was across 400 different businesses that had contacted us some of them were right. multiple bookings from one business so um it's definitely turned into kind of a wild adventure that's what actually led me to the merger um i'm not a good steward of running a business as it got bigger <laughs> It turns out so, but my friend's company um, had more structure. So that's, we came to an idea going, Hey Tom, if you just make more videos and I handle all the leads and process, we could do this together. And that's where I'm at today. <laughs> so once in a while, I'll always go through, cause like getting hate comments and hate mail is always such a thing. Anything you put on the, on the my daughter wanted to put out little cartoons and I said, you're going to get someone that's going to say it's trash and don't cry and delete it. Just got to run with it. But I go through your comments and like, there's nothing bad like you're you know you're you're nasally you're a douchebag you know what i mean like the, the typical stuff that people that put content out get um is it just that you're just you're genuine because i mean you come across you always come across very you know very genuine and a human being and not like snake oily or you know what i mean yeah i think that helps a lot um there's still occasionally there there's we have um a group of other YouTube friends and we call it, we have a little section in our discord chat called today in comments. Right. <laughs> it's not too much hate that I get. It's more real. Someone's going to call the FBI me. Um, I have an old comment on a video. Well, it's an old video, but a recent comment. Someone says I'm calling the F and FBI on you because you're teaching people how to hack my Wi-Fi. My neighbor's probably following your video to hack me. I'm just like, no, they're not. I talked about how to protect against it. But of course, they had to talk about how to do it. So right. someone says I shouldn't. But overall, I'm going to say the comments are 99.9% .9 positive. I have to dig for a bad one, which makes me really happy. Um, and when I go to like events and things like that in the, in the tech space, and I've run into people I know, I'm pretty happy. One of my favorite compliments is, huh, you're just like your new videos. And I'm like, cool. The best <laughs> like, thing you could ever said to me. Yeah, I don't turn it. I, I'm a, I'm actually probably a little bit calmer in my videos because I'm like concisely telling you how to do something and I'm a little more animated in person, but still I'm not being disgenuine in any way or uh, the hype tubers, I call them, who you got to get super excited right now, rah, rah, rah. And I'm 
more methodical because I'm telling you how to set up a firewall or how to how to step by step set up this Docker container. So I'm being very methodical in, tutor- in a tutorial style. But other than that, I'm still the same person. I, I'm a little bit more lively probably in my live stream, especially last one. Um, I got I did get a couple of friends. How drunk were you when you started your live stream? I'm like, I started drinking on the plane. Right. <laughs> I was like, one of the things um, that not that I don't like about YouTube is, but the fact that it's it's so formulaic. Um, I, now is tis the season. I'm watching tons of fantasy football videos. I know just, I'm I'm an, I'm an idiot, and they all have this like ADD Adderall very fast cutting cameras. Yeah. You know, I'm going to teach you the three, three, you know, the three running backs you need to pick up. And it's just like, boom, you know, it's like, is it from trial and error figuring out what YouTube likes or what? Cause there's, I know there's a whole secret sauce and when you think you got it figured out, they change it. So it's like, how do you stay on top of that? So it's, it's really interesting and vid summits coming up and they teach a lot of this. So there's a lot of different tutorials and uh, training camps, if you will, just like there is for any industry and YouTube's not um, YouTube's probably a little bit more eccentric on how they do it because how these videos and the style that you do and how you create what they refer to as like the visual interrupt swap camera here, swap camera here, bounce this face. Um, they're really pushing that right now. So of course, whatever the latest trend is. And it's always whoever the biggest YouTubers are, are what drives why you should do it. And I kind of ignore at least a large portion of it because I know my audience is different. So I have other friends that work cybersecurity and some of them have followed that pattern. They've went to, they hired an editor who follows like, Hey, this is how Mr. Beast, he, uh, no scene locks on a Mr. Beast for more than so many seconds. Like people sit down and you know, reverse engineer that video and then go, all right, that's what you need to do. You need to change scenes every two seconds. I'm like, uh, no, no. My, my son watches videos like that at 16. My grandkids is a couple of young ones. Like they like the TikTok stuff where it's even jumpier. And I'm like, no, no, that's not my style. But my friend in cybersecurity, he's got a trending audience in his 16 to 20s. And even I watch his content. I'm like, you have just so many visual interrupts like bouncing around. I, I feel like I'm trying to blink and catch up with it. Uh, I think there's still a good audience for people who want to do long form, listen, be concise, be more in depth on something. And you don't need to just visually interrupt me to try to keep my attention uh, because the attention is being the in-depth content is the attention grabber. So I don't do that as much. And that's kind of why, but definitely the industry pushes towards it. And if you're just trying to, your goal isn't conversion to client. Like I kind of have a goal in, in, in the back of my mind of that. I know a, I just did a permissions video on how to set up ZFS permissions. That's not going to be a trending on YouTube top topic, but that immediately, you know, even though it was like 8,000 views, it's just very methodically goes through it. My conversion is, Hey, maybe someone wants to hire me to do more of this work on those type of storage servers and set up the permissions or solve some type of problem they're having with it. Uh, I'm not trying to get the highest view count. So if you're optimizing for the highest view count, get those uh, jumpiness ready. Cause that's what, that's what the kids under 20 are expected today on YouTube. See, there's the two things. It's the jumpy thing. And then have you ever seen the V shred guy? Do you know who I'm talking about? Randy's nodding. Yeah. So basically what he says is I'm going to give you the three things for you to get cut and shredded. Right. And then I actually sat and listened to this thing and he goes, but before I do and what the way humans were architected and he'll go on, it's masterful how he talks about nothing and repeats himself and you're not angry enough to back click out. I know I back clicked out a couple of times this time. Like, all right, I'm going to listen to it. 
I swear to God, it took him 20 minutes to finally get to the end. And by the time he got to the end, it was like, oh, that's it. That's the payoff. It's like a M. Night Shyamalan movie. Like, that's the, you know, that's the crappy ending that you promised me. Um, <laughs> but apparently it works. Dude's making like $10 million a month. You know what I mean? It's like, again, stuff that blows my mind that I don't understand why it works. But apparently, it, you know, somebody hit a nerve somewhere. Yeah, that some of it just it's one of those things that can kind of drive me nuts. Someone had, uh, grabbed me in a Twitter uh, thread about uh, YouTubers making the dumbest faces ever. And I said, look, I have to participate. I've done that. There's some automated tools I use to do A-B testing. And every now and then I put one without my face and one with me making a face. I'm sorry. As long as all of you keep clicking on that one, the click-through rate is always higher. I have to do it. I don't want to look at the camera. I don't want to pull my green screen up and mess with it. I'd rather just put a stupid title on it that says the thing I'm doing and done. But you guys won't click on it, so that's why I make stupid faces. It's I don't know what got that either. I watch all the Call of Duty guys like Nick Merckx and Stone Mountain, and they all have the same thumbnail. And it's them with some surprise look on their face, and they go, oh, my God, this gun killed 32 people. And I go, oh, my God, I have to click it. You know, like yeah, yeah. You got to make it. I, I never do clickbait. I do click interesting, so I I will title things carefully. Um, I've actually switched to. I think the about a few months back, I started using ChatGPT to write all my titles now. So I won't lie, that works. That works really well. You just say, "Give me three YouTube titles about this topic," and that's that's how I I pick whichever one of the three I like. I want to talk about that in a minute, but I want to before you you brought up Twitter, and uh, the world was a buzz for about sixteen hours about threads. And I feel like it went the way of Google Plus. And it was, yeah. F- yay. Just deflated. Yeah, now it's now, way. yeah, you know, it's gone like a bad, like a, like a submarine meme. Um, you know, obviously, you know, if you had Instagram, we all signed up for it. Is it, is it basically Google Plus at this point or is it, you think it's got legs? Um, I think it's Zuckerberg is really smart about that stuff. He's going to, he can play the long game on it. He can just keep waiting for Mr. I cut my revenue in half and destroyed <laughs> and destroyed all the advertising revenue um, to screw up more. And so far, our track record doesn't really make me think he's going to get substantially better at it. Advertising is the ads on Twitter have become horrible, which obviously is because lots of big companies just kind of pulled ads, which he tweeted the other day where our ad revenue is, you know, is really low. So it's kind of playing a game of can we do it? The problem is Zuckerberg himself, though, um, are you going to do anything to actually improve on it? No, you're just going to do the um, political thing. Hey, I'm not the other guy. That's like his, that's his shtick. Like it's the same thing. So I'm not overly impressed with it. They failed to innovate at all. They're just hoping on if, if he screws up enough. But I mean, I didn't, I didn't post, I didn't even actually sign up on uh, uh, threads yet. I was kind of holding off on it. I seen, I seen the noise and I'm like, I still have, I have a big following on Twitter and I just keep, I decided to own my name. That's, that was my whole thing. Just block it out. You know, yep. I think people were initially excited to check it out and see what it is. Uh, it does have some very MVP qualities, minimum viable product. I think once they get uh, personalized feed for just who you're following and not just a fire hose of everybody on the app, uh, engagement will go up again a little. But sometimes see, I it's never just liked, overwhelming seeing everything. I never liked Twitter at all in the first place. You know, it's well documented. My disdain for it. Not that it was disdain, it was just hard to follow. Like, and I don't, I didn't think it was necessary for me to post on Twitter. Um, unless I was, I felt like, unless I was Dr. Pepper, there's no really no point in, in doing, you know, um, I wasn't trying to pull an audience. You know what I mean? The, yeah. I was, it's, I was speaking it's, on the podcast. And my friends were all on Facebook. I was speaking on a podcast. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, that's the way, I don't know. That's just the way I felt about it. 
Um, I, I got to admit, like what I use Twitter for and what I've used Twitter for for years and where my niche is in Twitter um, is engaging with cybersecurity professionals. That's the people I follow. That's the people I engage with. Um, and we've actually found it incredibly helpful from a tactical standpoint um, where when I'm working on cybersecurity incidents, we've actually been uh, worked on some that are like very breaking, so to speak, for something going on. Uh, and I can reach out and ping some of those people. And it's, that's the easiest way to get a hold of some of them. Uh, we had an attack, and you're familiar with like ConnectWise. Um, I was able to ping one of the security guys at ConnectWise and get something shut down that was going on in their servers very quickly. And that's the fastest way they responded. I mean, they have some stupid form I could fill out in their website. I guarantee it wouldn't have been as fast as that message I sent. Tom, so I've noticed yeah. a lot of tech people I follow have abandoned Twitter and moved to Mastodon. Have you seen yes. the same in your circles? And are you over there? I'm over there, but Mastodon, they are too serious. They're like putting a suit on. Like for being the big free open source one, um, there's just no good memes on Mastodon and they don't get any attraction. Um, I mean, I'm not in trouble for it, but I definitely engaged uh, in some shenanigans with Fortinet. And one of their engineers took the bait. This blew up on LinkedIn for me posting memes, too many memes about Fortinet. So like, and other security engineers are engaging with it. It's like that shenanigans, which is stupid, silly, us making fun of something dumb about a security vulnerability that goes on on Twitter in a very happy way. Man, that gets no traction on Mastodon. Like I've had serious conversations and I've had good talks with people on Mastodon, but it's never it's like Twitter without the fun. <laughs> so that's so it's, link, so it's LinkedIn. Yeah. Link yeah, LinkedIn's kind of like that. Um uh, sometimes I can get people uh riled up a little bit on LinkedIn. You were that's, good at, you had you were good about like posting like the the you know here's the thing like I like I always get angry at, I follow Barstool Sports, you know, whatever, make fun of me. And if they do something that's non-sports, someone always goes, you know, well, I think the Jets need to improve on their third down efficiency if they want to make the Super Bowl this year or something stupid, like mm -hmm. bring it back to sports. And I'm like, are you, are you, are you telling me that when you sit at a Barstool and watch a baseball <clears throat> game, for example, you're not talking about food and the last date you went on and you know what I mean? Like modern or, you know, politics or, you know, news topics. Every, yeah. We'll talk about everything. So I think like LinkedIn's the same way when I'm at work. Am I talking about work all day? No, we're talking, you know, we're laughing. We're, you know, sharing stories, you know, talking about the weekend. So I'm like, I never understood why LinkedIn was so buttoned up on in terms of like, you know, making jokes on, on their social. Yeah. <clears throat> it's funny because I've, I've kind of broke the mold a little bit and um, by the memes I post on there, one of them's got like 80,000 views now uh, from the other day. So I've, I've been posting them there more. I post on Facebook less because I don't know. Um, Facebook's just where my puns go. If I have a bunch of stupid <laughs> puns, which sometimes Bob, Bob groans and comments. Yeah, which is fine. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. So let's kind of go there. I've gotten a little bit, as long as they're like kind of tech related, I, I really try to stay on my socials outside of my Facebook's my personal stuff, but like the Twitter and the uh, LinkedIn are very deeply me talking about usually cybersecurity or cybersecurity adjacent topics. Uh, but I've developed that niche following in both those places for those. So if I'm, if I'm off topic or even posting about business, it gets like a like <laughs> 80,000 on another meme I posted making fun of some company's security flaw. I just shared this one when weird Al tweeted, like I keep telling him I am human. Cause it's a Grammys exclude AI from winning awards. What well, looks like Al, if you're you know, mm -hmm. from winning, uh, from winning awards. And I go, and he's like, I, I thought that was hilarious. So I had to share yeah. it, especially yeah. since, you know, 90% of my work these days involves a gen AI workshop or, or, um, a demo. Um, 
you brought up chat gpt you brought up gen ai um the lists of use cases is starting to grow and everyone wants a meeting on it and talks about it and i feel like it's like cloud like everyone's saying cloud then everyone said digital transformation and you could book a meeting just saying we're digital transformation you know consultancy and now i feel like gen ai like everyone has their flavor and they're just as fast as they can go to market or you know what are you seeing <laughs> so oddly wednesday i'm doing a small business talk on this topic so i just really dove into some of the tools because I, I don't use a lot of them and when i did i realized they all suck <laughs> so but in, in some of them are like people got funded to build this this isn't even good <laughs> but, right um, i think there's still we're, we're probably in that peak hype Something will come out of it. There's still actually, I would say, there's plenty of somethings coming out of it. There's still a lot of neat things we can do with it. Um, I, I'm amazed at its ability to write legal documents or even read legal documents. It does a lot of that stuff pretty well. Um, Have you seen the lawsuits that are going on? Like they're pulled a copyright story and then it's using it to populate. And it's like, good luck governing that, baby. Like, good luck. Oh, yeah. Good luck. It. And it's a mess. And of course, there's that uh, lawyer who's in a lot of trouble um, because he had it generate some cases. And it, it he said, hey, uh, find cases related to this, you know, like your case background that you'd need to present why this case is relevant because of these rulings. And I guess it generated the correct answer several times, like for referencing cases. And then it completely had another case in there with all the right reference and notations, but it was completely made up by chat GPT. So um, it, they don't know how to solve what they, they just have collectively called it hallucinating. Um, it occasionally gives you really off the wall, but very confident wrong answers that are well laid out. I mean, so that's a problem that kind of makes it not the best source of facts. Well, no, I think it's a fantastic what if someone built that in, I want to shake their hand. Dude, I don't want it to be yeah. the governing truth. And I don't want kids using it for term paper. I want, you know, it's the, you know, it, society's dumbed down, in my opinion, enough to little, you know, it's I I, you know, again, gone are the days of of actual fact checking. And, you know, yeah, now I just want people to do my, you know. I don't know. I'm, I'm glad that it's not perfect. I really am. Yeah. You can't just trust for anything. Um, I, my fun use cases for it are you can tell it to write poems and limericks and you can just like give it a few words. Like I want, I want something that rhymes with Walton spiel. I want it written in iambic pentameter and give me two paragraphs on it. <laughs> It'll just write it. It just, it's silly stuff like that, that I think it's absolutely wonderful for. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Here we go. I'm going to, we might need to, no, we're good. I didn't realize it was like an 18 step to sign into chat GPT. I was going to, oh. <laughs> I was going to come up with content. Um, what do you want a poem about Randy? A poem about Randy. There we go. And you got to give it a few words about Randy. Randy's birthday's coming up. So we got to do a poem about Randy's birthday and uh, being on a podcast. <laughs> oh my God. I got to <laughs> sign in again. What in the world? Randy's going to tell you, I got to just made him edit. <laughs> I see just Randy smiling going, this is going to be stupid and funny. <laughs> oh, it's going to be absolutely hilarious. Oh, my God. It does, it's not working for me. Oh, here we go. All right. New chat. I'll let Bob type all that up. <laughs> all right. Write a poem about Randy Walker's 40th birthday party at Coco. How do you spell it? Toco Roco? Roro? In Detroit. All right. 
In Detroit, vibrant heart, a celebration did ignite. Oh my god, it just it's going too fast. Hold on, hold on. Oh my god, it's, <laughs> it's insane. Hold on. I didn't tell it how long of a poem. Oh, so okay. it's <laughs> stop generating. There we go. Oh my god, I'm not reading all of it. In Detroit's vibrant heart, a celebration did ignite Randy Walker's 40th birthday, shining ever so bright, amidst the city's rhythm where dreams intertwined. Toko Roro awaited a venue so defined. I'm going to send this to you. I'm just going to cut and paste it. We'll put it in the chat. We'll put it in the chat notes. Um, but see that actually that's kind of awesome. What I did is I said, write the greatest movie ever. And it wouldn't do it for me. So like talk about being a lazy ass. I just was like, write the greatest movie ever. It's like, nah, not going to do it for you. Go. I, I think there's going to be some more variations where you, when you can start defining better parameters on it to sandbox it into doing something like, Hey, Here's a book that came out, you know, for example, maybe you read the book, but you want to have a better understanding of the book. So you say, hey, ChatGPT, pretend you are this character from the book and let me ask you questions. Like that's kind of a cool thing it can do. It's got that ability now if it already knows the book. You can say pretend you're this character from a book and then you can start asking questions uh, about it, you know. You know, here's the thing, though. I don't want like I still want I'm so because I have kids. I'm worried about my kids like read, you know, whatever the tonight. Or read, you know, you got a, ne- a week and then just go to chat TV and go, give me a, I guess you can Google it anyway. Yeah. But like, give me a quick synopsis of this book. You know, it's kind of like, you know, it's like me, you know, tell me about the great Gatsby. It was great. You know, um, <laughs> I, you know, it, it changes, it changed, this changes everything. And I'm not just being facetious or like funny or silly or alarmist. It like, it literally changes everything. You don't know who you're talking to anymore. You don't know if stuff, you don't know if news articles have been written by a human anymore. Like I was, I heard something, I forget who was talking about it. They're like, deep fakes are going to be more prevalent than like actual content. Like, yeah, in about five years, in about five years or so, the content's going to overtake what you actually said. Yeah. There's that one. It's called like AI synesthesia. It's got a weird name. Um, but you just type in words and it and generates – it doesn't look as good. It's definitely, like you said, a few years away. But it's interesting how inter, how in, from a small perspective, look at it. I can say like, hey, impersonate me. Um, do this. Here's the text I want you to do. And you can just generate the text you want it to say. And it's just kind of interesting that they're uh, working on it. Um, of course, if you've used the – I love the Bing one the best because it's relatively fast. But the Bing AI image generator, it's free. That one's fun to play with, uh, but it also shows you like we were we were making a bunch of uh, red pandas. I don't know why, but red pandas are just cool looking. And ChatGPT, or sorry, Dali does a great job of them. So we put them in sombreros, eating tacos, and just it does like an amazing job. But then I said, make a make a family standing in front of a bank, and this is actually something I put in my slideshow. It's nightmare fuel. Like their hands are, I said, holding hands. I purposely said that. And it's like all their hands are this, their faces are like twisted. <laughs> it's like someone on drugs made it. Hey, Tom, these you know AI who I am? Image I just tell me about me. Oh, go ahead, Randy. Sorry, sorry. I was going to say, these AI image generators are so bad with hands and fingers. Yes. It's creepy. Eating, it's eating too. Like, what did they do? Eating pizza? It was, uh, um, <laughs> I am an entrepreneur, innovator, and influential figure known for his contributions in the business and technology sectors. The hell they came up with that, I have no idea. If only they said you were a thought leader, I would have been so happy. <laughs> Do you want to tell me, Bob, about your technology startup that revolutionized the way people interact on social media? Where's that? I don't it's, see it I online. asked it for a bio of you, and that's what it came up with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what did it say? 
Yeah, I co-founded a technology startup that revolutionized the way people interacted with social media, earning him recognition as a visionary in the tech industry. Uh, see, they make it's that's uh, what did you call it, Tom? The fake stuff, it's hallucinating. Hallucinating. It's hallucinating. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's got a long it is everyone gets overhyped like it's going to kill us. It's going to decide nah. we don't need to exist, you know. I'm like, look, Terminator is a great movie, but it's not reality, buddy. The new one, the new one looks better. Did you see it? The I didn't see the preview part, no. Where um the AI, you know, they built AIs in the it's like 10 years in the future and they dropped a nuke on LA and um uh, it's like a they made the 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 robot like to look like an 8-year-old girl. So like you wouldn't just go and destroy it. Well, then they tried to use it for their to like be on the same team as us. Uh, the the preview looks fantastic. I, I don't know what the hell it's called. It's got the um the guy starring in it from Tenet. Okay. Um, it's by the Rogue One pro- director or whatever producer. Um, it looks fantastic. Nice. No, I think there there's it's a fun to play around with those as an idea as a thought process. I don't think the reality of it is is uh, dire as people think it is. But Tom, it's only it's only been around since for six what eight months, technically. Yeah, it's only get has not been around for a long time. No, and you look at the like the speed to market. Like this is the one thing. Like everyone talked about data being the next industry. Like this, I, this is very much is going to be a part of it. Yeah. There, there's some clever things like uh, one of my slides that I, I have in there is how it can grab an email that comes in for you. Like if it's a sales email, someone asking you for a quote, um, and then you can pipe it through ChatGPT where it can read your email and you can say, create three drafts for me. And it drops them in the draft folder for you as three draft replies I'd have to this person. And then you can pick and tweak the uh, best one. Those are actually really nice use cases. I've actually had some of the sales guys I've trained. I've trained a lot of my technicians to use it, uh, not only to solve problems, but to also respond to customers who have who need a wordier response, but tech and technicians are lazy and don't want to type it all. There's not a word construction to reply. So they'll drop something in chat GPT real quick because I pay for the business one. <laughs> they drop it in there and it gives them like the two paragraph step-by-step tutorial for what this user needs to do and they just paste it in the ticket and send there's a plugin i saw for gmail that was the response you you basically picked out of five clicks what the temperature was yes no neutral and then we gave like a two sentence like a twitter 180 character 140 character response um and i'm like okay i don't know i still i don't know I, I like it because it saves me the typing. So it's kind of canned response, but it's it's customized canned response because it's it's contextually aware of what was sent to you. So it's responding what doesn't look canned because it references things that the person sent, but I can say the sentiment of what I wanted. And that's where I think it's kind of cool. The sentiment is, I just, I mean, I want to type no and hit send, but that will make this person unhappy. And I like to right. do business with them in the future. So right. I will let you down nicely of, I, sorry, I can't support this project uh, that you asked me about, but I'd love to help it if you switched it over to something we can support, blah, 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 and send that email off to them. We send a lot of kind of... Uh, forms like that where someone has an idea and like ah, if you change this part of your idea we can actually help you implement that so but it i don't have to actually type a lot of words i can just let it type all the words <laughs> again it's going to get to the point where they don't even want to call me or call you you know what i mean you're just we're going to do a deep fake of whatever the latest and greatest thing is and we're just going to use your head and your words and um 
you know, we were not going, we're not going to need actors anymore. That's what the strike's all about because they're going to deep fake Tom Cruise for the next, for mission impossible 47. Um, I mean, did you say Raiders of the Lost, the, the last Raiders it was fantastic. Like the Harrison Ford, like not to spoiler alert or anything, but like the flashback stuff, it was really good. They've come a far away since the first Luke and then, you yeah. know, Leia in rogue one. I mean, it's come a long way. It was, you know, they still haven't figured out the teeth in, in, what teeth look like when while talking? Um, they'll get there. They'll get there, but it's it's it looked like insanely good. Yeah, and it's just really impressive. Like, so we work with some of these movie companies and seeing how they reapply things. Uh, we actually work with one of them, this weird niche they're in. Uh, they're redoing all those old westerns, and they do all this upsampling through the eye. And it's really um, one of my staff kind of took an interest in how all that stuff works, and he's been taking old stuff he has and re-up sampling uh, old movies to really high res. Uh, it's shocking that you can build a rig yourself. And of course, if you're in, in the professional services doing this, it's actually not that expensive to build a really high-end one that'll refactor entire movies to a much higher upscaled resolution. Um, it, it's, it's also kind of interesting they're doing it and with the writer strike going on because they're like, Guess what we got? We can take that 80s content and because, you know, Knight Rider doesn't look near as good if you watch it without being upsampled. So, you know, you got you to gotta apply something to those old 80s and then we can re-release them on Netflix and they don't have to pay the writers. I would watch the hell out of that. I yeah. A 4K upsampled Knight Rider and Airwolf. And it's going to be like the COVID times when they couldn't film here, but other countries could. So you got all those bad net movies on Netflix when they dub over the. the yeah. You know, they tried to do, did you see they tried to digitally change the mouths to English and it looked awful. I mean, I'm talking, I couldn't pay zero attention to the movie. I had to turn it off halfway through because like just speak in Polish and then dub it over with some guy that doesn't, you know, that sounds yeah. ridiculous. Anyway. I'm okay reading subtitles on those because just don't try. Just if, if it doesn't match, I'll just listen in the native language it was recorded in yeah. and I'll read the subtitles. <laughs> there was a, um, what was it called? There was a good German movie that just came out. Um, Something in gold. Um, Randy, did you watch that? I talked about it. I think we, I think I talked to you on the phone about it. Um, fantastic though. Like there's yeah. those movies are like we always thought they were kind of crappy, but there was it was like a World War II based, and they were they were in this small town trying to find the, where the gold was hidden or whatever. And it's, it was like a very Tarantino esque. It's kind of like if you say Chat GPT make a World War II movie about like in the styles of Tarantino. You know what I mean? Uh, to find gold or something. It was it was really good. Um, with that being said, Tom, we're gonna we'll find you on YouTube. Tom Lawrence, Tom Lawrence Systems. Is this a Lawrence Systems? Yeah, yeah. You're, not hard, you're not hard to find. We'll, no, I'm super easy to find. I'd say everything that way, whatever social media I sign up for next, or whichever one when you listen to this podcast exists or doesn't exist, you'll find it on lawrencesystems.com. There you go. Oh, you got that can like a used car salesman. That's phenomenal. <laughs> Worse than my intro. No, I'm just kidding. Tom, though, no, I appreciate the time, man. We'll, we'll, we'll see you in person. We'll see you online. Um, Tom Lawrence, on behalf of uh, Bob and Randy, we're going to wrap things up for this episode of the IT and the D Show. Do us all a favor. Drink up your drinks. Get your phone numbers. You don't got to go home. You just got to get the hell out of here. See you next week. Drive careful. Beat it.